0: to Alumni Voices, a podcast from the University of Oxford. I'm Guy Collender and every month I speak to a former Oxford student about their memories of their alma mater, the impact of their studies and their career. This month I'm on the road. I'm in tropical and multicultural Singapore for Oxford's Alumni Weekend in Asia. Hundreds of alumni are gathering here to meet and share ideas in an island state celebrated for being both a Garden City and Global Financial Centre. I'm delighted to be joined by Grace Tsai, a leading entrepreneur from Singapore and a panellist at the Business Session during the weekend. She is the CEO and co-founder of Impact Hub Singapore, Singapore's largest community of entrepreneurs, creatives and techies. Her success is in part due to what she learned at Oxford where she gained her MBA. Grace Tsai, thank you for joining us.
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: Let's start by gazing into a crystal ball. You were speaking at the alumni Weekend about disruptive technology and how we relate to products. What does the future hold for consumer product interaction?
1: The startups that are using augmented reality and virtual reality, for example, are changing how consumers um, engage with brands and products. How do they do that? They're basically layering a virtual reality interface uh, between the consumer and the product. So for example, we have actually a UK-based, a UK-founded company here based in the hub called Blipar. Um, their technology identifies um, 3D real images. Right. And by Blipping onto, let's say, an apple, um, on my phone, I can interact with the object. They would show me um, the recipe for an apple pie, the closest place to buy an apple, or the various things you can do with an apple. Amazing! So previously, this data would not have been communicated with me by the Apple.
0: Sure.
1: Right? B- um, or through, the, through any other non-existing media. Correct? So with, with their technology, um, think about the implications on brands. If I blip a Coca-Cola bottle, what can I, what can I do to increase my brand loyalty and my engagement with the Coke um, bottle? Or if I blip um, a packet of Lay's potato chips, perhaps there'll be some, some form of relationship that can be uh, deeper than for sure what it is today. So that layer of technology is quite interesting, we find.
0: What will the Internet of Things mean for everyday life?
1: On your question on the Internet of Things, I still think we're in the beginning of the IoT era. Um, the, the potential of sensors around smart buildings and smart cities To be honest, it's a little daunting, right? There are issues on what sort of data will all these sensors collect about us? Do we have a say in setting the boundaries of what we want to give up on? What about cybersecurity? So these are things that I think uh, people around the world in multiple different companies and countries are really cracking their, their heads on. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, if we look at the crystal ball, right? We can't look at the crystal ball without looking backwards as well. We have fought as a, as a human race for centuries and, and multiple, um, truce, multiple civilizations to gain our freedom. And in many ways, through, uh, through the IoT and, and um, the, the world of data, we are giving up our freedom. Mm-hmm. In way in very voluntary ways. Right. Sure, sure. We're not questioning, for example, enough what Google is collecting from us, what Facebook is collecting from us. We we visit these platforms more than we think or more than we would want. And each interaction is a data point that um, that is about us as an in individual. Yeah.
0: And if you're not paying for the product, you yep. become you the, product, the product. You are the product, that's right? Right. As a young entrepreneur, you work with millennials, the generation born after 1980. How are they changing the world of work?
1: The generation of millennials are definitely more, number one, they're more um, aware of the world. They're more conscious of global issues through technology that's making information more transparent. Secondly, maybe as a result of that, or maybe as a result of the survivorship of the previous generation, which is which are our parents, we are also more purpose-driven. We want, we want actualization today, <laughs> sure, sure. right? Without, without, without climbing the master hierarchy of needs. And while that can be seen as a little narcissistic or self-centric, that could also be seen as a huge um, energy to be action-oriented in solving some of the world's most stubborn problems ourselves not relying on government or corporate, but really to the power of the many. And I think that is the, that, that's the exciting thing about the millennials um, generation. They are idealistic, they are purposeful, they are global, and they are impatient. We are here at
0: Impact Hub, you can hear it in the background, mm-hmm. the community of entrepreneurs, creatives and techies that you co-founded in 2012. Could you tell us more about what happens here?
1: Sure, so we run two sites, totaling to 20,000 square feet um, in in Singapore. And in these two sites, at any one point in time, you would see at least um, 100 to 200 um, entrepreneurs, creatives, techies, um, really creating their dreams, you know. They are pursuing their passion, they're building companies, they're building platforms, they're building um, products and services that they want to see exist in the world, right? They're not waiting for anyone else to do that. We build this community based on certain values. We build it based on the value of collaboration. How do we, how do we um, make use of the intelligence that is far greater than what exists in our head or in our teams? Um, we, we build it on the value of community. It takes a village to raise a child. So we also need to be vulnerable and open to that village. Sure. So we have mentors and coaches and investors who would come in on a daily, weekly basis to help our entrepreneurs move from point A um, to point B. And we have an event space here that can fit 150 people. We have cafe, we have 600 free cups of Ben & Jerry's each month, if that helps. <laughs> That's also what's happening here. Um, meeting rooms that are available to be booked for any sort of meetings. Um, and just lots of connections and interactions in this central hive of connectivity. And it's very international
0: here, I've already seen.
1: Yes, we have 42 nationalities.
0: Singapore embraces innovation and is a model modern city with incredible architecture. What does the future hold for Singapore?
1: Um, Singapore is definitely uh, a poster child in terms of economic growth, right? And also our social mobility policies. The, in the last 50 years, uh, probably unprecedented, Singapore has grown from a third world um, developing country to a first. Right? It has one of the highest GDP per capita in the world. It's the world's second most competitive nation after Switzerland. Now, how did it become that in one generation, in 40 years basically? Um, It was a lot of really sound nation before self policies, clear transparency uh, and governance, um, almost minimal non-existing corruption. I mean, how many countries can say that, honestly? And a a very friendly environment for business and the private sector. Having said that, um, a lot of um, people in Singapore know that the formula that has worked in the last 50 years might not work in the next 50. So what does it hold? It's, it's ambiguous. It's um, it's also scary for a lot of people. Um, economic growth will slow down after you have you know six to eight percent growth for so long, and you will see a more um, you know it will be a more competitive landscape for talent as well as the whole region is also developing in the new economies, but. I think with good governance and with um, a united force, I think uh, by the Singapore people—people people who live here, people or people who were born here—doesn't matter. I think there's that um, solidarity to embrace the future.
0: And now let's discuss your student days. How did you come to apply to Oxford?
1: So. When I was looking for a program that would develop me further to become a global thinker and a leader, I I bumped into um, Oxford's program for sure and I bumped into the school centre for social entrepreneurship. I read the criteria for what it takes to be a school scholar and I was like, wow! I you know I do check a lot of these sure, a lot sure. of these criteria. So I went ahead. I was like, what are the ch- chances? Right when I looked at the profile of all the people, all the schools that before me, there's never been a in a girl from a, a girl from Asia. So I'm like, what are the chances? Let let's just try. And that's Oxford for me, right? It's hugely personal. Mm. Um, it's very um, it's very nurturing.
0: So what made the greatest impression upon you when you arrived in Oxford?
1: I think it's the juxtaposition of the old and the new. The, the side Business School at the time was only around 16 years old, right? In a 900-year-old university. <laughs> so we were very modern in the school and we had to almost switch positions as we hit the uh, cobblestone, path stones, cobblestone paths. Right? Um, the fact that it has been, it was a home for some of the greatest leaders, poets, writers, um, Mathematicians, scientists that we that have really literally shaped the world. I think for me and others as well, the biggest factor would be how we view the world. It was, it was a lens that uh, proves to be very beneficial for all my future endeavors. Right. It's a lens of networks. It's a lens of um, nodes of authorities of um, impact inflection points. It's it's things like that that are beyond the textbook and, and the lecture halls, right? And that's a, that's a collective effort of what Oxford stands for.
0: And so what did you learn about combining the social causes and business from your uh, studies at Saint Business School?
1: Um, a lot. I've learned that it's not an either-or. I've learned that choosing between um, profit and purpose is a false dichotomy that has been presented to us. Um, I've learned that it is not a zero-sum game, right? The the whole thing around growth mindset that it's possible to um, believe in a world that has both and to create something today that incorporates both. And that's what the Impact Hub is about. We are using business and real estate to create an ecosystem and community of um, entrepreneurs, Who will create a better world Um, so I've since embodied that into my uh, career into my personal life as well and whatever we create does portray both um, both sides of the the
0: story and could you give us an example of the the social impact as well of say one of the initiatives that's going on at the Impact Mm -hmm. Hub
1: so for example what's happening out there um, in the uh, out of the meeting room are two things for example. We have around 30% of our members who run social enterprises and we're the only co-working community that um, welcomes them and that um, creates programs for them. Um, we connect them to policy makers, we connect them to corporates who would further their costs and to other stakeholders who would, who would join in their, their mission. Um, in cases where some would not be able to pay the market rate to belong to, to the Impact Hub, we, we will not shun them away. So that's our own uh, social impact.
0: And is there a particular focus, whether it's say education, or the environment, or working with the elderly, is there anything that comes through from the, the various initiatives that is a dominant focus?
1: The community is um, very diverse. I think they're working around 36 sectors. Um, The the social-focused subgroup here would range from anything from using the media for social good. We have our Better World, that is Asia's largest storytelling platform for social impact, for example. We have Gone Adventuring, we have Billion Breaks who is trying to solve homelessness through the design of um, accessible tents. Right. right? So, (laughs) there's homelessness, environment, um, youth volunteerism. Um, strategy for uh, non-profits um, all the way to serving the poor in the region um, people who are affected by landmines in Cambodia um, recycled materials I mean there's just I can go on and on
0: sure and that's very much the whole of, of Asia not just Singapore
1: yeah Singapore is a, is a has a small market it's a great place to pilot as a petri dish but a lot of the impact is in the region
0: And what advice do you have for prospective students and current students about Oxford?
1: About Oxford? Um, Definitely try to be immersed in the city itself and in the wider university, right? That's beyond just the school. Um, I think um, the rich history and the diversity of the student body um, is to be tapped on. I think the second advice, if I may, is to find lifelong mentors and teachers from our body of professors. Um, they, are, they are wonderful. No one has ever said no to, to meet or to, to help. Um, and and I, I, I can confidently say that some of my dearest, closest, strongest mentors today uh, were from Oxford.
0: Grace thank you very much for telling us about your fascinating journey and your successes in the world of business. Best of luck with all your future endeavours. And for more episodes of Alumni Voices, please visit www.alumni.ox.ac.uk.